machine. Welcome back, darling. Kingston Town can't win. He got checked, the champ. It's going to get desperate. But a champion becomes a legend. From, from, from the card leave in the pool. Gate holes months ago. Go red and look at him go. Here he comes. Boom, right over the top. Brother Bush, it is 15, Lance Clare. Is a good horse like Harry said. She'll have to pogo stick over the field to win from there. Strike me pinky, thread at the eye of the needle. Can he stay up? He'd stay till closing time. This could be set up for something special. Cassidy had to pull the whip. It's coming again. That's Dex. He loves it and wins. What an outstanding racehorse. Welcome to the Racing and Sports in the Office podcast. Simon Dinopoulos has abandoned me this week, so I'm flying a solo in the office, but from afar, outside the office and outside the sales ring in, in the car park, I believe, I've got Brad Bishop on the line. You have. I have sought refuge from the hum of the sales ring. I've got plenty happening down here at Oakland's Junction with the English Premier yearling sale going on, but you can't find a quiet place on the sale ground, so I've resorted to the car. So hopefully I'm coming through loud and clear and we can have a little bit of fun in the next 15 or 20 minutes. Hope so, hope so. Well, we figured even without Simon here, we... We still have some awards to give out, and so give them out we will. And the first of those awards, of course, every week is who ran to the highest rating anywhere in the world. We're going to stay at home with with Marabi. There was some um, good racing in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, but I had to flick through those. The Japanese swept the turf. I don't think it maybe Stay Foolish pushed into the 120s and, and above Marabi. Alan Kerr won at Lingfield, low 120s as well, but I think it's safe to give it to Marabi who won the Oakley Plate. Best Oakley Plate rating, 121, since Lankan Rupee in 2014. It's been, I must say, a little bit off. And it's the, the sort of, the big sprinting three in, in Melbourne has changed a little bit in, in recent years. But um, she still sits there this century. I, I just had a look at it. The only horses to outrun her in the Oakley Plate this century were Lankan Rupee, Weekend Hustler, Fastnet, Rock and Schnitzel. So, Brad, that's a, um, a pretty big four. And there's a few names there that would be... Um, very relevant to you at the sales. Yeah, absolutely. She was the talking point going into the race. She's been right throughout her career. It's it's hard to say with the horse that's seven from seven, but they, that they've snuck under the radar. But she's been doing that in the past that they've given her because she was late to the races. She um, took the provincial route before she got to uh, got to the the city circuit and. For those past couple of starts, she hasn't been hidden away and turned in performances you'd expect would be uh, high ratings. And there was a stat that came out of the weekend, which I didn't really pay any attention to until we um, were having a look or, or listening to a review on 927. I think it was Dean Lester that came up with it, that um, the Melbourne Racing Club, they took that initiative to make the Christmas stakes 1,100 metres and they put a ballot exemption on it for the Oakley Plate. And in that race, Marabi beat away game. And then lo and behold, there was a fair swing in the weights going into the Oakley Plate, but they've run the Quinella again. So looking back on that, you'd suggest that the Christmas Stakes was a pretty high-rating addition as well, Adam. Yeah, you, you would, and, and you would be correct in, in stating that. We had her run 115 in, in that and 120. So she's continued to improve, and her little ratings bank now just looks awesome. She's um, Since winning a bench, benchmark 70, she was rated 100 there at her second start, but she's gone 115, 115, 118, 120. Um, which pretty much puts her on the the heels of what we're calling the the big four, the big four sprinters in Australia at the moment. So that's um you know Nature Strip's obviously been the king in in the real Group One sprints for 
you know, best you know, 18 months now, best part of two years now, Nature Strip's sort of been the king, but Eduardo's duelled with him and won Group 1s when he's got away from Nature Strip. Mars Crusade has run those two big races in, in those big grand finals, TJ and, and Everest, and Lost and Running, who we didn't think would you know was quite up to that level, did measure up to them in, in the spring and looks to have come back even better. So other than that four, she, she probably becomes the, the fifth best sprinter in the country. I think she... Wild ruler of the Inferno, and and I suppose where is Gitra at is the the other question for you know, our our big sprint rankings in Australia, if you like. I think Gitra has a little bit to prove now, having not run his race in in the Lightning. Inferno, no luck in the Lightning. Jeez, we'd be very harsh to go marking him down based on that. But Wild ruler was obviously behind Marabi here, so um, who's ranking Wild ruler ahead of Marabi? No one. So yeah, I think she's um she's moved into the the top five sprinters in Australia based off, off this win and, and even just the full body of her work now, as I said, that it's all well and good to have a nice peak rating. It's it's you know, at least as good and at least as important to have a nice big bulk of ratings underneath that and have some depth to your profile as well. And she's got that. So um, off to a clash in the, the one I've forgotten, Home Affairs, my goodness. And that might be the clash we get in the new market in two weeks. Yeah, how good would that be? If she keeps stringing these wins together, the comparis- comparisons, they're going to be obvious. I'm actually surprised that we've got a, a mare that's seven from seven. She just won a group one, and there, there hasn't even been any inklings of uh, trying to compare her with, no. with Black Caviar. I wouldn't think the ratings are going to measure up, but if she keeps logging these victories and stringing this winning streak together, they're going to, they're going to become apparent at some stage. Yeah. I, how many wins do you reckon? How many wins until we can start making that statement without sounding completely daft? No, well, I, I actually think that the the media, I'm surprised it hasn't come out as yet off the back of a big win like that on Saturday in a Group 1 race. It's I true. The media aren't too worried one. about looking daft, are they? They're happy to play that card. <laughs> no, exactly right. And she, um, I think she's got a Group 1 under her belt before Black Caviar did. So um, she's got that, that up on her. But like, if she goes to... I don't think she's going to run in the new market. I think there's going to be a bit of a fresh in there, and they'll go to the Sankster. So there's a she wins that. That's another Group One race. Then she's going to be obviously set some big goals in the spring. Uh, I don't know whether she, would they have a crack at an Everest? Do you reckon? I'm sure they'd have a crack at it. As I said, I think she's um, she's just outside that big bracket, if you like it, at the moment. I'm just dragged up like caviar in the just onto my screen here for my own. Uh, just to calm myself down. You're right that she uh, <laughs> she beats Black Caviar to a Group 1 by one start, but at her seventh start, Black Caviar beat Hot Danish at the Valley on the day So You Think won the Cox Plate, actually, and she ran to 133, which is a full 12 pounds ahead of Marabi. So she might have a Group 1, but she doesn't quite have the uh, the same speed. I, I think she would have been, um, yeah, put five or six lengths behind Black Caviar at the same stage. So maybe that's what the... Uh, that's maybe that little comparison there is is a little bit flattering to Marabi, but um, she certainly. Yeah, I think everyone. Right. I think everyone is. I think everyone is cooling their jets on it just yeah. because they do know that uh, how good she turned out to be. So it'd be a little bit unfair on Marabi to even compare her to Black Caviar. But it's great that she's getting these wins under the belt, and with that, um, it increases the expectation and the anticipation whenever these horses do step out. So it's uh, something to look forward to as. What could be a pretty hot sanctuary in a few months' time as well? Because I think the, there's a bit of talk that Tefani might be getting freshened up and heading towards that. So it looks like they're going to have a pretty handy addition of that race in Adelaide in a couple of months' time. Yeah, I like it. And I've already declared the sanctuary over and spots that the winner. So um, 
that's <laughs> that's turning into a a very hot race. Now the other award we give out at the top of the show here, we've got the the highest rated horse. Marabi wins that. The uh, flop of the week I found a little bit harder to to come to. Obviously we had bottomless ground up up there in Sydney. It actually raced okay. The the track variant I came up with was um you know heavy ground for for sure and certain, but it wasn't um. It wasn't like Island in the middle of winter heavy or, or South Island New Zealand heavy. It wasn't. It wasn't into that that sort of level. So I think there is um some form, but I still think it's a little bit harsh to go to go pinning horses as as massive failures and, and giving them the flop award over on that ground at, at Randwick. And to be honest, is particularly in the big races there weren't really any flops. So um, yeah, there's only. Oh, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to uh, I'm going to put me. a couple of names at you and pure, and this is because of the track. I was most excited about the fact that they got to, I think it was race six that Ice Bath went around in and then we had Collett going around in race seven. Probably nominated them as the two best wet trackers in the country and to get a heavy 10 like that, uh, they had both turned in uh, highly satisfactory runs at their, their previous outings. I was most excited about seeing those two go around and I don't know what price I would have given you about neither of them running a place. So um, I know this award is running furthest from their their ratings, but I'm going to toss them up as disappointments. How did you factor in their performance? No, I, I like it. I like it. It's nice and harsh, and, and I like that. Ice Bath is actually, I think, more so than, than Colette, but you, you make a good point, and you're absolutely entitled to talk through your pocket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Ice Bath did run probably a, a disappointing race, so she's run, what, 102 or something like that with a, with a peak of 113, so she is well off it. So she was certainly a candidate even before we – Consider the um, the wet track, which was probably seen as an advantage. The price that she went off, which was very short, so punters were riding it, and we've we've got to factor in your pocket as well. So um, yeah, cool. With all that you know in mind, I think Ice Bath is looking a uh, a pretty good candidate for the flop of the week. I was going to give it to Delphi in yep in um in Melbourne at Caulfield there because he seemed to get a sympathetic situation with the the way that the track was playing. Although I think some of the um. Some of the chat around the way that the the track was playing was was probably a little bit over the top. I think there was um, a bit of a perfect storm, particularly in some of those early races of low pressure and high rated leaders. Finance Tycoon, admittedly, wasn't favourite, but he only ran to his to his level to to win that race. And Generation came off his peak a little bit, but they were the two top rated horses. Flying Mascot had a clear ratings edge. Castle Ray Kid was the the highest rated horse, and Cascadian was the highest rated horse. So from those first five races, four top rated horses were able to to win. Lavish Girl might have been the, the one that was sort of a little bit more of a surprise in those first five races, but she did get a very soft lead, which was a a little bit of a surprise. And that actually takes us on to our dud ride of the week, which is the Taylor Pendrith Award. Taylor Pendrith actually this morning, PGA National, in the uh, Honda Classic there, ran tied 25th. So not a bad effort from, from Taylor, and we're very harsh in um, highlighting him as the anti-flusher, if you like. But so, so this... This might be a good week to win the the Taylor Pendrith Award. No, what, well, Mark Zara, he he won the Diamond on Saturday. He uh, popped off to the Super Bowl um, after winning the Group One a couple of weeks earlier. But you've had him in your crosshairs. Surely, surely he gets a week off this week after winning the big one in Melbourne. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We've got him in the gun, Mark Zara. He won it on Artorias. He got an honourable mention last last week with Forgot You. That was a carve up, and then he wins it again this week with Emissary, who actually. And this is where it probably is a little bit harsh, the old Taylor Pendrith Award, but he did actually get Emissary to run clearly his best race in Australia to date, and I've actually got it a little bit better than what 
he'd done in the UK. So um, I suppose the the theory behind the the Taylor Pendrith Award is that it's an award for the horse that was given the least chance to run their personal race. And um, look, he ran very fast late there and was sitting a long way back from an absolute walker's speed in the Peter Young. That was a that turned into a little bit of a fast, and that was the race where. Delphi disappointed, and that's why he was Delphi was in my crosshairs as flop of the week because he got a very soft time of it. But that might just not be the right scenario for Delphi. He might he might want a bit of a stiffer test and, and not a real late burn up Delphi. He, he probably wants the full mile and a half and a test at it. So um, not a good scenario for him. Not necessarily a good scenario for Emissary either, being left with that much to do, but closed within a length and it's a little bit of zing in those in those late sectionals as well. So Emissary and Mark Zara win the award this this week, and he's probably by virtue of that, a, um, a horse we can follow in the next couple of weeks. Well, I think that, and this is steering away from the, the, the Tay-Tay Award, uh, the Peter Young stakes from a form perspective is going to be interesting to see what happens with those horses out of that race. Cascadian's one, I, Cascadian probably should have been about a dollar forty uh, on form in that race, but because it was Cascadian and he de- ten, generally tends to find one better, and the fact that he was sort of used a little bit more early, small field, also, on Mav um, staying in that race would have meant it would have been a lot more predictable race in terms of uh, a, a race to map and how you might have been able to predict the race was going to unfold. So I'm interested to see how the form comes out of that race. But it, Cascade, this for a long time, this was the lead-up race to the Australian Cup. Cascadians won it as a two dollar oh five favourite. He's now, well, he still is the second favourite for the Australian Cup. Yeah, people remain unconvinced about his prospects in that race. So Who it's going to be for the Australian Cup. A Spanish mission. Ah, okay. Wow the um, the All Star Mile has really changed the Australian Cup, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, and it's um, we got a we got a big field for it last year. One of the biggest fields that they've had, but it was a field that sort of looks like a lot of these horses in the, the Petty Young Stakes and a Holmesman. Um, we saw he got beaten up by Zaki up in Queensland last year, beat best of days. So when, when you look back on it, it's not exactly the likes of Bo Rogue, Better Loose Enough, <laughs> Led to Loaf and the, and the likes that were not doing quite. their thing back in back in the early 90s. But there is uh, plans afoot to change the programming down here in Victoria. You can take it to the bank that the Australian Cup will be after the All-Star Mile next year. There'll be a bit of a prize money injection. Uh, to exactly what extent, not too sure. But the, the autumn down here in Melbourne is going to look a lot different next year. And hopefully that results in a reinvigoration of the Australian Cup. We do get back to the, the stage where the best 2,000-metre horses in the country are going around in it. Yeah, I think they missed a trick by not making the All-Star Mile the Australian Cup and making the Australian Cup the the big vote and the big money race. But um, they're not going back on that anytime soon. So I'm yelling at a brick wall about that one. It'll be interesting to see what actually... I mean, Cascadian hasn't had to run anywhere near his best to, to win this. Obviously, it's probably not the scenario he wants a higher pressure test and hopefully gets something like that in, in an Australian Cup. But it'll be very interesting to see the, the makeup of that field because Spanish Mission is about good enough to win an Australian Cup, but quick ground 2,000 metres is, is probably as fast a test as, as I would think he wants, Cascadian. And where is Inspirational Girl? She ran really well first up and I had her pegged as one who might be um, might miss the All-Star and, and take the chance in an Australian Cup, but she would, I think we're two weeks out, she'd need to get a run in there somewhere, maybe next Saturday. Yeah, I haven't even had a look at the nomination, so I don't even know if she's in the blamey. But she was she was nom for the futurity, but uh, but didn't go around. Um, blamey, that's got a whiff about it. Blamey, blamey, and back up. I can smell it. 
yeah, but, uh, with, with the Australian Cup, the funny part about it with Cascadian, and, and this is not the situation you actually want to see the Australian Cup in, but it, it's being used as a lead-up to the All-Star Mile with Cascadian. He's definitely going around in it, and then he's mm. backing up uh, over 1,600 metres in, in what's probably a more suitable race for him than the Australian Cup, because it was interesting to hear Damien Oliver's comments after he won on Saturday that he reckoned that 1,600 to 1,800 is his sweet spot, so he's got to get out to 2,000 for the Aussie Cup. Yeah, so he do, I mean, he took so long to get to to have a go at two thousand in Australia, and then ran pretty much to his to his absolute best behind Zaki and McKinnon. So if he runs up to that, just mentioning the the names that we're mentioning being Australian Cup probables, then probably is just about the the horse to beat there. Doncaster rating would um give it an awfully big nudge as well. So um yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm not sure. I suppose this can lean us on over to the the Chipping Norton as well. We're very elegant. Chalked up some some records in terms of a piece of form. Pretty scrubby, not just because it was a wet track, it was low, low pressure and, and ended up in a, a bit of a bunch finish. So scrambling in against She's Ideal and Angel of Truth is not the um, the uh, absolute A-grade, elegant, uh, very elegant, but it's um, it's another group one on, on the resume. And that becomes a, an interesting piece of form as well because there's some flashy runs there. Top ranked was, was okay. Ace was a, an eye catcher, but... Um, in terms of yeah, as I said, a, a rating and a piece of form, both of them running about 111. That's that's still it's not a very big figure if if they were to to think about having a, a look at the Australian Cup as well. But I tell you what, I just talking about Spanish Mission and, and Cascadian being the the two top dogs there, and and maybe Inspirational Girl. If I've got Juice or if I've even got top ranked, I'm I'm having a uh, good long think about that Australian Cup. Yeah, interesting names that, that were into the mix. And I think I saw something on Twitter this morning that that is definitely where Edward Cummings is intending to send you eight. So, uh, uh, very smart man, up. Eddie. Very smart man. Anyway, how have we gone from the, talking about uh, the Mark Zara being in the crosshairs for the Taylor Pendriff onto the Australian Cup when we've still got the Colin Morikawa to talking about? And, and speaking about people that you like to harp on about, who wins the colon this week? This this all seems fixed, doesn't it? I promise you, there is some <laughs> there is some mathematical logic to this, and it's not just me playing favourites. But uh, Mark Zara wins the Dud Award, and the the Colin Morikara Award goes to Luke Nolan, my man, Luke Nolan, whose numbers for this entire season, over six months now, and over a big enough sample size to say that this is this is no fluke. He is riding better than he's ever ridden in his in his life, and he's riding as well as anyone in Melbourne, Luke Nolan, and. He wins the award for his ride on, on Merchant Prince in the Blue Diamond where they went hard and collapsed. And just as it turned out, he was in the A1 spot. So if we consider finishing speed, they're par to be 100%. He's run the Blue Diamond 1,200 metres in 70.2 seconds and he's run the two halves in 35.1. So that is 100.0000. Absolutely perfect from Luke Nolan and... Whilst the Merchant Prince was only good enough to convert it into a seventh, that's um that is getting the absolute best out of Merchant Prince right now, I, I believe. So um he's run to a hundred and two there, Merchant Prince, which is a nice big step up off his sand down run. And I think he probably probably enjoyed having a, a bit of a high pressure race there, Merchant Prince, hence the the better piece of form. He had a big plus on that sand down run where he just took a while to get organised behind Sir Bailey, who's um Jamaica's little fella. And she'd, he'd beaten that one at Pakenham before that. When, again, he took a long time to get organised, Merchant Prince. But um, he's run out of his skin here to run seventh in a, in a blue diamond, I think, because he'll be a better horse. I suspect he'll be a better horse when he probably gets to, to 1,400 metres. But um, I don't think he could probably go 
If he can go better than this, it won't be by much in the short term, that's for sure and certain, because Luke has got every last drop out of him with another perfect ride, and if it wasn't for um, weight issues, which is a real shame, he'd be... Um, we certainly deserve to be getting the lion's share of the good rides in Melbourne at the moment. It's interesting that you say that about Merchant Prince because I think coming out of the Blue Diamond, there were two horses that people were talking about from a size point of view down here in Melbourne. And I know that the County Headlights team are also thinking about possibly going up to the size there in Sydney. They're the two that sort of had the flashing lights from a lot of the uh, the those that like to see the horses steaming home from back in the field. So you say that the Merchant Prince has run right up to his best. What, what was the assessment of Count the Headlights' performance in that race as well? Yeah, obviously very similar. Very similar and, and a similar sort of scenario for him as well. So I think the big thing with Merchant Prince is he's the, the flashing light because he's moving past horses late, but they're dead, those horses late. They're stopping as opposed to him quickening. So um, you could read into it that it's um, – and I, I think it's fair to read into it that he might be a better horse at, at 1,400 metres. He'll be a better horse in a slightly easier race as well, which the, the VIC size tends to be. Um, but I, I'm saying that that visual is, is probably a little bit flattering because I think where Luke Nolan had him relative to the pace of the race was perfect and, and used him really efficiently. So he ran his race perfectly evenly throughout, so he just stayed a steady pace even throughout while the others went very fast early and slowed and some of them started to slow drastically late in the piece there. So um, that can be a little bit of a, um, a visual trap, but he was a nice horse going into this race, and he looked like he could run to that sort of level, and he has. And it's, as I said, there are much easier races out there to win for him than, than this. But he will have to get another good ride. So hopefully, wherever he goes, he's he goes into a race where he carries more than about 58. So Luke Nolan can ride him. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what the weights are in the the size, but it might only be about fifty five and a half. So he might have to miss out next time round. Uh, Max his, Lay, um, his, his loss is uh, Blake McDougall's gain. It seems with the Peter Moody stable at, at um, this point. Yeah, he's getting he's getting a lot of good rides, and I think he's um, he's certainly not riding it to the to the level of Luke. But no one would expect him to be riding to the level of Luke. He hasn't got that experience yet, but. Um, he rode a good race there on Flying Mascot. He put him to sleep there and, and, and got her home. And he's, I'd say he's been a little bit hit and miss so far, Blake McDougall, but at the same time, that's as I said, that's expected and the, the hits are good. So um, he'll also has you know, a huge advantage by, by teaming up with Peter Moody, who a little bit like Gay in Sydney can, um, can make jockeys look good, I think, because um, tactically very wise and um, yeah, his instructions are, for the most part, going to... Um, assist the jockeys in looking good. That was always Gay's big trick. She'd get these jockeys and then she'd tell them what to do and everyone would say, how good's the jockey? Which brings us to, well, it actually wasn't on the rundown. Not that we do have a rundown, but because I'm filling in for Simon, I did ask for a couple of pointers. Uh, worth touching on Castlereagh Kid as well. What do you make of his performance? Because Gay won the Autumn Classic down here with Damien Oliver. He looks like a horse that's gone at the 500 metre mark every race, but he just keeps on finding. Is he, uh, he's by Stitzel but he's out of the like, the Tuesday Joy, the Sunday Joy family. Is he, is he a Derby prospect? I think he is. I don't think he did anything here that he, he shouldn't have done, and he did nothing here the way I, I read things that he didn't do at Gosford, winning his maiden two-back. So um, a little bit like Sandown, I think um, very smart from, from Ollie and, and, again, under wise instruction from Gay to, to roll with him and, and get him to the front. But they didn't go very hard in the first half of this, so... Um, Ollie was smart enough to, to take advantage of that and get into him early, but he had to because I don't think Castlereagh Kid would have won this race if it turned into a complete sit and sprint. I still think that the race was too steadily run and not a stiff enough test for him to show his absolute best, although the more times he 
runs ratings that cluster around this, the more I'm going to have to give up on my idea that he can really spike. But what I want to see now is, and I I don't know, I didn't catch up on the news, but I assume the Alistair Clark is on the radar for him after this? No, Gay mentioned a race in at Flemington on Australian Cup Day. She, she might be talking about the Australian Cup. I'm a little not too race sure, on Australian Cup Day, the Australian Cup. <laughs> I, I, I actually haven't looked that thoroughly at the program, but she said that he was going to Flemington now. I'm not. I'm hoping she might have had things mixed up a little bit, and she realised this Alistair Clark's worth seven hundred and fifty grand this year because mm. he'd be something to run down um, there at the Valley under lights um, in a, a big race like that. So um, that was, I think, one of the stronger Autumn Classics we've seen as well in recent years, and it, it probably has a little bit to do with the fact that these horses are here in Melbourne and they've got that seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar race to aim towards. Yeah, there are a couple of nice runs in there. So as I, say, I think Castle Road Kid is is probably even though. There was a plenty in his favour in that he went to the front on a day where you know leading and fence was was a good spot to be. Um, even if you think the effect that we we saw there was fairly small, I think there probably you know, there was some advantage. I think it was a, a fairly small advantage, but there was some. Um, I still think the way that the race actually shaped is is probably holding him back a little bit because I don't think he's got a huge top speed, but I think he's got an outstanding ability to sustain it. So um, the valley sounds like the sort of joint that'll bring the best out in him because they tend to. Um, Attack a little bit earlier there, and, and they're a little bit braver with the way they roll on there because of the you know the tight turning track. Obviously, is a, a bit of a carrot. There's a you know we can get an advantage here by rolling, so they do, and they're they're a little bit more happy to to let them flow a bit. I think that'll bring out more in Castle Ray Kid. It'll certainly need to because he's um he's a ways off where those big horses are going towards the the Australian Derby. I imagine is is where they're hoping they could could land and and you know big money race in between in, in the Alistair Clark sounds a perfect way to get there, but he'd have to go again to a, another big level. But I think he can, as I said, I don't think this race, for all that there were bits that suited him, I, I don't think there were other bits that did. So, um, yeah, I think there's more to come for me. I think Bon Vivant was a, a nice little run and, and El Zami was a, a nice run as well for a couple of horses who were bred to stay middle distances. And, um, yeah, I doubt they're probably Derby horses either, to be honest. But um, does anyone bet pre-post on the Frank Packer plate? I actually heard you ask this question last week when I was in the office, and I've forgotten the horse that you want. Oh, was it um, was it Murray? Oh, Morris is me dad. Was he the one that got him? Yeah, mentioned? I want to mark. Yeah. So, if any bookmakers are listening to this, can we please start betting pre-post on the Frank Packer Plate? And also, in the spring, we want Reginald Allen markets. We always find the Reginald Allen winner months in advance. <laughs> well, these are two things that we can look forward to. Uh, just before we leave Castle Ray Kid, it's worth mentioning. I'm not sure. There were a lot of racing people out there that would have seen this on Twitter, but Gay Waterhouse has pulled together a package that she's put out on her Twitter feed um, around the performance and the day with Castor Ray Kid on Saturday, and it shows her chatting to John Singleton and Damien Oliver in the car, on the phone, on the way to the races, and has got vision of them watching the race. And it's one of the best bits of racing content I have ever seen on social media. So do yourself a favour and pop along and, and have a look at that. And uh, it's just um, an, another example of why Gay Waterhouse is so good and hopefully she trains forever. <laughs> Indeed. No, long live the Queen. Absolutely. Have, have we have we missed any awards? We've, we've picked off we've a few. We've those four awards, but now, and I'm putting, this is what I sent through to you earlier, I'm putting it right on you. We have the... Uh, that is just so exciting! The Excitement Award. Who's exciting well, for the future? Well, it's, it's funny in a way that I'm going to nominate this horse because I actually don't think she's going to have another start this preparation. Um, and that is Walton so Vine Slipper. 
no, you can have to wait. A, you might have to wait a while to deliver on this um, Bruce McAvaney, but it, what it does mean is I'm, I'm probably not going to be made to look a fool in the next couple smart, of weeks or so. Smart. But it, you touched on horses that were flashing home from the back in the diamond, in the likes of Count the Headlights and Merchant Prince, and how sometimes that can be a little bit deceiving. I thought she was very good um, in reverse. She was she was ridden by Blake McDougall, who we did touch on. I don't think he did absolutely anything wrong. Used barrier one to posse up behind the leader. And I'm convinced that if the gap came early in the straight, which it appeared that it was going to, she would have gone to line with those the, the three place getters who had a bit of a margin on the fourth place horse, um, or, or like three quarters of a length in front of Sebenak, who was hitting, hitting the line well. So she's one that has had the three starts in this initial campaign. She's very well bred. You think she's going to be better over further and later because her, her granddam um, won an Oaks, that being Miss Finland, and stay with me. She won the thousand guineas. So she's one that I'm buying out of the diamond. Um, I'm interested in your take on her performance in that race, given um, where she posited up in the run was different to the horses that we spoke about earlier. Yeah, I think that's the the big tick for her. She was up in the the pressure there, and I think that's where those horses that um, it can be a really good tough and up run for for some of those horses. And probably it's probably not a bad idea if she does if she does happen to tip out or, or have a little bit of a gap between runs. You know, maybe if they if they did think that she bounced through it, maybe thinking about something like the Percy Sykes in Sydney with a nice little gap between runs. But she's um. I think she ran, as you say, without maybe the the best of luck. I've got her running right up to the the figure she ran the week before. So um, she's sort of solidified herself as a, a smart filly, 101 rated filly there. And and I think you know you're right. She's got the platform now to to go onto something better. And in in classic breeding buff style, you've you've made the case as to why she's she's bred to be a bit better than this as well. So um, yeah, I would have to say that the future is certainly bright enough there. And what they also do have up their sleeve, if they. If Peter Moody does want to rely on some of his impeccable placement, he can always head to a maiden somewhere with her because she hasn't won a race yet. She'd be nice and short if she bobbed up in a, a 1,200-metre Phillies Look uh, out maiden over 1,200 metres at Packenham. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Moody as well. Back Moody at Packenham. I reckon it's the biggest home track advantage in Victoria. Thoughts? He does go well there. He places his horse quite nicely. Uh, but my initial trip up to Canberra, you informed me of one horse of his that would be winning its next start, and it's proven quite costly for me at the two-star oh, yeah. the, the Wahoo Flyer been beaten, been narrowly beaten at, la- at its last two starts. I thought it was a bit stiff last Thursday night at Pakenham, but... Um, That's a good mate. Actually, that uh, got beat by a nice sectional horse at Pakenham there. That's a good little race. I can't... Was it Sadler's horse that knocked it off? Yeah, um, the thing in the the Rosemont colours. I can't even remember the the name of it, but um, it wasn't it wasn't my um, my friend last Thursday. <laughs> Stick fat moods will get it sorted, or maybe sure he'll have will. to take that one to Murtoa as well. But there's a maiden winning it. I'll throw one up just before we go, um, just so we are uh, keeping our Trans Tasman friends on side as well. I've I've made a little habit of this, but. Um, a filly called Imperatrice won over there at Matter Matter on Saturday and ran to 109, which would actually put her in the thick of our good fillies. And we said something similar last week with La Creek, who was the, the big filly winning over there last week. She tied in with some of our, our better fillies ratings-wise. And Imperatrice has, has run 109 over there, and she's run over 100 now, one, two, three, four, five, six times. So she's um she's a very useful filly, and she bumped into and ran second to sort of state the start before that. So 
we haven't seen the best of sort of state. I certainly don't think we've seen the best of sort of state in in Australia yet, but that's um that's pretty good form. So she's a filly of Jamie Richards who might make her way over here at some stage, and if she does, that punters will be exciting. Looking forward to it. All right.